0: All right, now that we've got a grasp on what the anointing is now we deal with the issue how do you nurture that anointing if if Jesus has provided a way for himself as king to reveal to us on the inside uh, all of his promises all of his commands the whole way that he wants us to live he gives us our destiny he he ministers to All of these treasures into our hearts through this anointing, and that's the way he becomes our king and and keeps on being our king, then how do we take time for that anointing? How do we do it? Uh, What's our part in this? Um, It's like, uh, it's like he started uh, by uh, coming and creating an opening for God. You know, the, the temple curtain torn in two, which is God's invitation to us to come to him. And then now it's our turn to respond. And as James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So now it's our turn to respond by drawing near to him. And then his promise is, James 4, verse 8, he will draw near to us. So he initiates through what what Jesus did. We respond by creating a space for God in our lives, and then he will draw near to us responding to what we're doing. So now it's our turn. And Jesus gives some very explicit instructions about this. Matthew 6, verse 6, which is the Sermon on the Mount, um, says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So here's very explicit instructions, and we see that from Jesus' point of view, this is a time for us to be alone with God. Um, Other people do not belong in this time. Uh, They're only going to be a distraction and a problem. So you're creating a space for yourself that doesn't have any other people in it, and it's going to be quiet. Okay, so that's that's number one thing, and, and Christians down through the years have called this space a prayer closet. Um, we, uh, we once went to a, a place called Agecroft Hall. It's a big like English mansion that was dismantled from England and brought over here to Richmond, Virginia, and uh, they give tours of this place. Well, one of, the, one of the bedrooms has a prayer closet in it, and uh, it's where the people closeted themselves in with God. It's a little room off of the, off the bedroom. Because in those days, they would put their clothes in chests, and later on in chests of drawers. But the clothes didn't go in the closet. The people went in the closet. So that's the closet. You know, today, it's all about uh, clothes, you know, where you put your clothes. But, um, Originally, it's time, it's a place for us to meet with God. And, um, so Jesus did this, except that he didn't have a home to, to, to meet in with God. And so he went out into the wilderness. So let's just look at that because he, he does offer himself as an example. We, we, we look to him as an example every chance we get because that's why he came. One of the reasons he came is so that we could look at him and say, okay, that's how we're supposed to be living, like Jesus. So here's an example here uh, from Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages. So it's a little kind of comical uh, glimpse into the early life of Jesus and his disciples who didn't have a clue what Jesus was doing out there in the wilderness because none of their models for prayer would, would, would tell them that would, would be where you'd pray. What would be the point of that? You know, you pray in the synagogue, you pray in the temple, you might pray in the marketplace like the Pharisees did, but you always pray with other people. You know, you don't go off by yourself. Um, but Jesus is is telling his disciples uh, that prayer is something completely different from what they think it is. And you know, maybe the same might, might be true of us. We have to learn this from Jesus because he's our model. He's he's the high priest. We're the royal priesthood. He's going before us. He's um, pioneering the way, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He he leads the way. We're following in his steps. You see, it's it's like we we need to go back and recover the original vision for this. So um, let's look at one more more passage, which is actually going to be in Isaiah chapter 50. And I I really kind of need to say a word about this. Why would we look at... Isaiah, an Old Testament passage, to learn about Jesus. Well, it's because Isaiah is being given a messianic prophecy. Okay, so this is this is one of many prophecies about the future that God gave Isaiah. He gave Isaiah prophecies about future empires, kingdoms, you name it. Um, but then one of the things that he he was given. Prophecies about was the future Messiah that God was going to send, and so particularly right here in Isaiah 50 to 54, that part is especially about the Messiah, and and it begins the main the main part uh, that I want to draw your attention to begins at verse four of Isaiah 50. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue, to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. So this is it's almost as though Jesus himself is describing his life with God. Isn't that cool? I mean, who who would expect this and how could it be that this would appear 700 years before Jesus, but it's one of many dozens 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 of passages that describe the life of Jesus and and we get a glimpse about his quiet time with the Father here. First of all, early in the morning, morning by morning, so it's morning, 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 morning. It's like a a habitual time that Jesus has with the Father, and then he's listening to the Father. So listening, we don't go to God and just blurt out our prayer list. It's a time for listening, receiving, um, gaining, uh, God's perspective. Um, so Jesus was gaining God's perspective, and he discovered that God had a hard road for him, but he was going to submit himself to that. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he knew it would be short-term suffering for long-term gain. And that's so often the way it is in the Christian life. So we have to be able to click into the will of God, and that's going to take listening, it's going to take receiving, being receptive to the voice of God and all of that, and that's what we're going to be teaching on in the next many lessons. Uh, how do we do this? How do we actually connect with God early in the morning or when, whenever it might be? Your schedule may not lend itself to early morning, but uh, it it's Likely that the early morning would be the best time, and we'll deal with that in a second. Um, But it's it's a surrender. The surrender of our lives means nothing if we're not listening to God. You know, what would be what would we surrender ourselves to if we don't have any way of hearing what He's saying to us? So, listening is really important. And Jesus had to surrender His life to the Father and now he's providing that example for us so that we would fo- follow in his steps and do the same thing. So now what we're, what we're going to look at is how do we create the time and the space because it's going to require us to, to do both. There's, there's got to be space. Um, let me say this. Uh, Jesus says that um, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So if you look at your treasure, which most people, it's their home. Um, what have you made space for in your home? Um, I can imagine a TV set, an entertainment center, uh, or maybe a dining room, a barbecue area, uh, bedroom, king-size bed, I don't know, um, lots of closet space, right? Um, patio, I, I don't know what you got, a porch, a sunroom, uh, bedrooms, upstairs, Whatever. Have you made a place where you can meet with God? That's what this is about. If not, why not? What does it say about your heart and the state of your heart and the state of your faith if in all these other things that you've provided yourself, you haven't provided for yourself any space for God? So providing space for God where you can shut the door and you're in that place and that's just you and God and that's you're just you're doing that because it's what Jesus says for you to do, and he's the king, right? So um, now, what, what do you do when you're creating a space? I, I just wanted to show you real quickly my own space. This is my, um, this is my own little area that I have, prayer closet. And um, you'll notice there's uh, a number of things in it that I recommend. First of all, I have a lamp with two levels of brightness. Um, One level for meditation and writing in my journal, and another level that's brighter for reading my Bible. And um, I recommend that. Secondly, there's um, a space in front of my chair. I don't know if you can see this, but it's actually a stand for my Bible so that I can sit in my chair and look straight forward. You know, so it's like when I'm, when I'm looking at my Bible, I'm looking straight at it instead of down. Because if I look down for a long period of time, my neck gets sore. So I'm providing for myself a way to, to read my Bible without my neck getting sore. Then, um, you know, there's, a Candles. I don't know if you can see those candles over there in the corner. Uh, I light the candle. It's uh, it's just a sign. This is this is my time with God. As long as the candle is lit, uh, it's sort of like it's 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 a sign that I'm having my time with God. And then there's there's pictures um, and and other things. there's a window that helps me. Uh, I, I like to have a window. In other words, I've created a space for myself that's pleasant. I look forward to being there. And there's no reason why this needs to be a difficult you know sackcloth and ashes horrible time that you just dread going to. It can be a time that you really enjoy going to because it's it's a time to nurture your love relationship with the father. He's going to speak love into your life. He's going to show you who you are. He's going to speak your, your destiny into your life. He's, he's going to do all kinds of things. He's going to remove deception. He's going to give the truth. You're going, to, you're going to move from darkness to light. I mean, this is really an important time. And you might as well have a nice place for it, you know? So um, that's, that's the first thing. Some, some Sometimes people um, don't have uh, a very good space, you know, like someone who lives in a single room with another roommate, you know, where where's where are they going to go? So um, here's another idea. Um, it's a great invention called the earphones. Okay, so the earphones will block out everything. You can sit towards a corner, have your earphones plug into your favorite soft music, um, soaking music or whatever, and and it's like you're in your own little prayer closet. It's really great. You can use it for um, uh, like airports, traveling, um, in the car, whatever. So that's another another option. Uh, that's that's about place, the creating your space, um, and then there's also creating your time. Um, A lot of us, I've heard this no end of time. Well, I just don't have time. I don't have time. I'm too busy. And uh, the, the thing is, we never take time for the Lord to tell us why we're too busy. And so we never examine why we've allowed ourselves to get so enslaved by circumstances and by other people that we don't have any time for the King of Kings. You know, as soon as I say it, you you see it doesn't make sense. So the whole point of, of having a quiet time is to push back. Well, C.S. Lewis called, called it the wild animals. Okay, push back all the wild animals and let the still small voice of God come in. What we're doing is we're we're confronting the people and the circumstances of our lives that have tried to master us, and we're saying I'm not doing this anymore. I I am taking control over my life and putting Jesus first. So now we're going to decide what gets replaced. Why is it that this particular activity or this particular person or this particular ministry, um, it could maybe be put on level two, where we put our quiet time with God on level one. It becomes top priority. You see what I'm saying? So uh, right now what we're going to talk about is how do, how do we do this? I want to talk about the power of a habit. A habit is an amazing miracle. God has created us to be creatures that can form habits that go by themselves. So if I'm coming up to a, a, a corner, driving up to a corner, and there's a stop sign and I know I need to turn right, I don't have to think carefully about how to press in the brake pedal to make the car stop and I need to, f- to push the, the uh, blinker up and, and make it blink to the right and then turn the steering wheel around I've got those things down into habits, so I don't even have to think about them. They're second nature. They're easy. They're so easy to do when I come to a corner that I'm turning right on that I can actually talk to my wife who's sitting right next to me and carry on a conversation and not even, not even think about turning right on this street corner. Isn't that amazing that we can do two things at once because one of those things... We consign to habitual action, and it goes all by itself. It's so easy because it's a habit. So, of course, the enemy comes in and tries to um, create bad habits that will preempt the good habits, so that then we come to the good habit and we say, I don't have any time for this good habit. And I've got all these other habits that I'm doing, and um, that's what I'm doing with my life. And so uh, we, we, we choose to make no room for God because we think we are too busy. But in reality, what I'm saying is, let's create a good habit that utilizes this creative miracle that God placed in us, until the good habit becomes second nature. And in order to do that, we're going to have to confront some of the bad habits that are no longer worthy of taking habitual time out of our lives. So already we're into a battle. We're into a fight of priorities, kingdom priorities versus worldly priorities. It's God. Versus certain people who think they have a right to, they're just like Peter coming in. You've got to come back to Capernaum. Yeah, well, maybe. Uh, But what am I hearing from God? You see? So what we're doing here is we're creating the good habits so that God gets first priority every single day. And, And let me just say a word here about early morning prayer. Early morning is not the only time to have a quiet time with God. But it is, I'm convinced, the best for most people. Maybe not you, but the best for most people. First of all, it's the way Jesus did it. Okay, Jesus modeled it out for us uh, because it's likely to be the best pattern for us. And the reason for that is uh, as, one, as one person uh, that I know put it, why would you turn, tune your violin after you've already played your symphony? Um, the time to tune a violin is to get ready for the symphony. So you're, you're starting the day by getting tuned into God so that he's, he's speaking to you about the day, he's helping you to, to evaluate yesterday and the, the, the last week, and uh, he's giving you fresh instructions. You're reading the scriptures. Um, you know, you're 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 starting the day because um, it will prepare you. You know, you're you're preempting the enemy's plans for your life by by sh- connecting with God first. And so, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's it's going to be easy to create that early morning space. It wasn't for us. Uh, my wife and I—we—we we really had to um, uh, create. Uh, I, I should say, we had to uncreate some habits in order to create the good one. Uh, so, like, we had a late-night TV thing that we had going early in our marriage, and and we tried to do that plus get up early at five. That didn't work. You know, just you—you've got to really take hold of your life. And see, there there are some habits we need to give up, and so we had to give up that. We had to we had to give up um, um, late night church meetings. You know, here I'm a pastor, and um, I'm 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 going up and I'm telling my people we started an early morning prayer, and um, this, is, this is our time for God, and we can't do it if we have late night church meetings. And so, they all clapped and said yay because nobody likes the late night church meetings. Um, and the, and the real issue here is, um, what's more important, late-night church meetings or time with God? You know, what are we, what are we relying on? Uh, we've defined Christianity institutionally, whereas it's a relationship. So why would we give up our relationship because we're so busy doing the institution? It doesn't make sense. We've got we've to put first things first, Okay. And so I was modeling that out for my people. I was saying, you, you could do an early morning prayer too. Let's, let's try prayer. Let's try making prayer the priority it's supposed to be. And so um, we're, we're going to have to examine our lives and let Jesus sift through these things. It may be that there are some actual satanic distractions that are designed to keep us away from God. So these are some of the things that we might want to think about. Uh, And uh, the the goal will be to form a solid prayer habit, a time that's consistent and a place that's separated off that's consistent. And that's where this thing is most likely to prosper. Um, I I remember uh, for a while we, we tried doing vacations, uh, that would be um, an opportunity to stop having this early morning time. We thought to ourselves, well, God wouldn't require us to, to, to take this time, this two-hour time of prayer during our vacation, would he? And so we'd stop doing the early morning prayer during our vacation. And then we'd get back, and uh, it's like we had to start all over again. It was easy as long as it was a habit, but then we lost the habit during the vacation and then we had to get it all back. It was just hard again. It was just really tough. So what I'm saying is the value of the habit is something to recognize. Uh, once you've got this good habit, keep it. Make sure you don't lose it. And it will it will, it will will pay you off um, a hundredfold. It will be such a good thing in your life. Not that every time you get together with God it's going to be really wonderful. Yeah, I don't want to overdo it here, but this is going to be your time to receive from him and to walk with him. So make it a priority, okay?